Well, if you've been with us the last few weeks, you know we've been in this series called Unstuck, and we've been looking at different ways that God wants to help move us forward in our relationship with Him, to grow in our faith. And you know, the last few weeks we've been talking about a number of different things. One of them was prayer. And I don't know about you, but you know, I love praying uh, to Jesus in heaven and all, and it's, it's very inspiring and encouraging, and it helps me get through each day. We talked about gathering together with other people in community and talking about Jesus with other people, and that's very encouraging, and it's been very transformative in my life. But one of the things I often think about is that if I was just able to meet Jesus here in this world, face-to-face, if I was able to meet Jesus and talk with him and spend time with him, I believe my whole life of faith would be transformed. I would not only be moving forward, I would be set on fire for Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about what it would be like to meet Jesus here on this earth? I mean, I have to think that it would get me moving closer to him. And, you know, I think about where I would go if I met Jesus, what we would do together. I think we'd probably go to the mountains of North Georgia, maybe go on a hike and talk a little bit. Where would you go with Jesus? I think maybe I would go with him fly fishing. Now, I don't know how to fly fish, but Jesus is the master teacher, so he could teach me, right? He could teach me on the job. We'd probably talk about some things while we're fly fishing. Maybe go on a road trip to see if Jesus listens to Christian radio or if he has other genres that he likes. You know, who knows? And I also think about what I would ask him about. What I would talk with Jesus about, you know, I'd probably ask him, why is there so much hate and evil in this world? Probably look back at my life, ask him about things that have happened to me. Probably look towards my future and ask him, you know, what what the future holds for me, for Emily, for, for my life. Have you ever thought about what it would be like to meet Jesus here on this earth? I mean, how long would you wait in line to meet Jesus? I waited in line six hours for an iPhone once, so I would definitely wait more than six hours. Somebody said they would go to the beach with Jesus. Most of us drive five hours to the beach, so surely we would drive more than five hours to go see Jesus. Or how about this one? How much money would you pay if you could go and meet Jesus right now? It's pretty astounding to think about, right? I think it would be amazing to meet him because if we had an encounter like this, our faith, we'd not only be unstuck, we would be moving at light speed in our relationship with God, becoming the people he wants us to be. It's pretty amazing to think about. And this morning, I want to share with you something that's not often talked about in church. It's not often taught, and it's how... We can meet Jesus on this earth today. It's how you can meet him today if you want to. And now, I'm not about to sell you a ticket to some guru or to some special seminar. This has nothing to do with a special diet or any kind of fast. There's no special retreat involved. Actually, how we can meet Jesus today is pretty simple. But it's not easy. And a lot of people have been taught how to do this, and yet they, they don't because it can be challenging. But this morning, I want to share it with you because I want you to become unstuck in your faith. 
And I know it sounds radical. I know it sounds kind of crazy. But Jesus tells us himself in the Bible how we can meet him here and now. He tells us in his own words in Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25... We're getting close to the end of the book of Matthew. Matthew's gospel has 28 chapters. And if you're not familiar with the the gospels or what those are, we're going to talk more about the Bible next week, so I hope you'll come back. But there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and in each of them we get a different perspective on Jesus' life. And here in Matthew chapter 25, we're getting towards the end, and Jesus is sharing with his disciples some of the final teachings he's going to give them before He shares in the Last Supper with them before he goes to the cross. Before he gives his life for them and for us. And it's in these final moments, the disciples are talking to him about some stuff that a lot of us are curious about as well, about the end times and what his return is going to be like. And so he's having a private conversation with them there on the Mount of Olives. And he gives them a series of parables. A series of parables in which he's talking about judgment and his return, and then the final teaching he gives them is in verse 31. And it's not exactly a parable, it's more of a description of this day of judgment and his return. And in this teaching, he shares with them and he shares with us how we can meet him here and now. And so beginning in verse 31, Jesus says this, When the Son of Man, Jesus here speaking about himself, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And I want to pause right here because sometimes when Jesus is using these agrarian illustrations. They they kind of don't really connect with us in our lives because there's not many farmers in here. But the disciples, they would have understood what he was talking about separating the sheep and the goats. A lot of times, as a herd, the sheep and the goats would have been together. But sheep and goats had different diets. Sheep tend to like grasses that are closer to the ground. Goats kind of get twigs and other things. And so a lot of times they would need to be separated to go and eat different things. They would need to be separated because they were raised for different purposes. And so they would have understood this, that it was normal for a shepherd to separate sheep from goats. And then they would have also understood this reference, how one group would be on the right side and one group would be on the left side. Because in their culture, the right side was the place of honor, the place of glory. And the left side was the place of dishonor or disfavor. And so we see the sheep on the right side, the goats on the left. And then Jesus, he continues. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I, the king, Jesus is speaking here, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? 
or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And here you can, you can sense their confusion, right? You can sense their confusion as they're standing in front of Jesus, the judge, and, and they're saying to him, Jesus, we know who you are. We love you. We've followed you in this world. We, we've tried to do what you've commanded. We've, we've fed people. We've gave people who are thirsty something to drink. We visited those in prison. But we, we didn't do any of this for you. We didn't provide anything for you. You provided for us. You've provided for our needs. And so you can see their confusion. And then Jesus gives us this word in verse 40. Where the king replies to them, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And here Jesus reveals something radical to these people. He reveals to them that they have met him. They did meet him on this earth. They didn't realize it though. He reveals to them that when they were feeding the hungry, when they were visiting the sick, when they were inviting strangers into their homes, they were actually doing it to him. And Jesus reveals something radical to us in this passage today. He reveals to us how we can meet him here in this world today. He says, when you go and you feed the hungry, you give the thirsty something to drink, you clothe the naked, you invite the stranger in, when you visit those who are sick and in the prison, he's telling us that when we're with them, we're with him. When we're serving them, we're serving Him. And so many of you this morning, you might not have realized it before, but you've met Jesus here on this earth before. You've had encounters with Him. And while you might not have realized it was Him at the time, you probably realized His power and His presence working in your life afterwards. I mean, we've already heard stories since I've been in this church about people who have had transforming encounters as they've served. Just a few weeks ago, some of the students who had served in Nicaragua gave testimonies to this. One of them said, I went down there to serve these people, to show them God's love, to bless them. But what happened was interesting. Coming home, I felt served. I felt blessed. I felt loved. And that makes sense, right? It makes sense that after an encounter with Jesus, we would feel blessed, we would feel loved, we would feel that we have been served. And so here in this passage, Jesus is telling us, when we're with the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and the imprisoned, we're with Him. And if you notice something about these groups of people, that he names specifically, they all have one thing in common. They're all in need. They're all needy people. People who have physical needs, emotional needs, people who have spiritual needs. And what's interesting is this is the type of people that Jesus hung out with when he was on this earth. 
needy people. This is the kind of people that Jesus came into this world to save. Needy people, people who needed a savior. People who needed restoration from the brokenness and the sin in this world. And at some level, all of us, even though we might not have obvious needs, we are these needy people as well. God looked upon this world and he saw people in great need. And he came and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to meet those needs through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And as followers of Jesus, people who have experienced his love, we've had our ultimate needs met through him. He's now calling us to go out and to share that love with other people. To go out and to share that sacrificial love with other people in need. And he tells us that in some mysterious way, as we go out and share that love with them, we also meet him in the process. It's kind of wild, isn't it? It's wild how this works. And one of the things I love about this church, Harvest Point, is that we have a history of doing this. We have a history of going out and meeting people's needs. And one thing I love about the Methodist church generally is that it's in our DNA as well. And now I know most of you didn't grow up Methodist here, so you might not know much about the history of the Methodist church. But Methodism was founded in the 1700s by a British man named John Wesley. And John Wesley, he knew about this transformational power that Jesus gives to us as we're serving other people because he was always going out and serving the poor, spending time with the oppressed, visiting the sick, spending time with people in prison. It, it was part of the core of his ministry. And under his ministry, thousands and thousands of people came to know Jesus Christ. And today, his descendants spiritually have churches all over the world. There are millions of people worldwide who are Methodists who are continuing to reach out and love to other people in need because it's part of our DNA. He encouraged us to go live out the second half of the great commandment, to love other people as ourselves. And Wesley, he was very meticulous. He, he kept journals that were extensive in detail. At times, he would mark off 15 minutes every day what he was doing for those 15 minutes, how he was feeling, what he ate, who he was visiting. He kept records of all of his sermons. And we have a lot of the letters he wrote to people and that people wrote to him. And there's one letter I, I love. It's from a woman. It's to a woman named Miss J.C. March. And it was written in 1775. And in this letter that he wrote to her, he's writing to her because she asked him about how to grow in her faith. Today we might say how to become unstuck. She wrote to him asking about how to grow in her faith. And he responded to her, and we have this letter today, and he said, Do you really want to grow? If you really want to grow, then here's what you need to do. You need to go and visit the poor and the sick in their own little shacks. Go out and know that Jesus is going before you, and Jesus is going with you. And he wrote to her with passion and with excitement because he knew that when we're with the poor, when we're with people in need, when we're with them and serving them, that God transforms us. And in one of his later sermons, he writes about the transformation that takes place. And he says that when we're spending time with people in need, we grow in patience. 
We grow in a tenderness in our spirit. We grow in sympathy and compassion for people in need. And we also grow in gratitude for our own situation in life. And I think all of those things are true. I've experienced many of those same things in my life as I've spent time with people in need serving them. To that list, I would probably add a few other things. I would add that through serving people in need and meeting Jesus, I've grown in my generosity. I've grown in my gentleness and my kindness. I've grown in patience. Really, I've grown in all the fruit of the Spirit. And that's what God wants for you. That's what he wants for us as a church. He wants us to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and the list goes on. He wants us to grow in all of those things. He wants us to become more like himself, and we become more like Jesus when we're spending time with Jesus. And he tells us that when we're spending time with people in need, we're spending time with him. But in order to do that, We have to step out of our comfort zones. We have to step out of our routines in life. And we have to be willing to open up our eyes to the needs all around us. And I don't know about you, but when I read this list, I tend to think, well, I don't really have a lot of people in my life who are in prison, who are hungry, who need clothing. I know there are people out there, but I don't have immediate people to come to mind. And that makes sense because so often we organize our lives around people who are like us. Typically, we live in neighborhoods with people at the same income level. In my neighborhood, a lot of times, needs are hidden behind garage doors. A lot of us avoid parts of town where we know there are going to be needy people. And for me, a lot of times, I don't see people in need because I'm so busy going about my own life focusing on my own needs, that that I miss the needs around me. That's my confession this week. As I've been preparing this message, I've been convicted about how I'm so focused on myself that I don't see the needs all around me. And here in this passage, Jesus is calling us to slow down, to go out and to open our eyes to the needs all around us. He's not just calling us to open our eyes. He's also calling us to open up our hearts. Now, I don't know if you've turned on the news lately, but there are a lot of people in need all around us, all around the world. There are children whose only meals they get are at school. Free breakfast and free lunch, and then they have nothing the rest of the week. There are people who are in need of food all around this world, which is why we're going to pack meals for people in need Saturday. I don't know if you've been watching the news the last few days, but there are people in need in this country and in this community. There are people of color in our church, in our community, in our nation, who are in need of a friend, who are in need of encouragement, because they're living with fear. Fear for themselves, fear for their kids, fear for the future as they watch racism on display by white nationalists. 
There are people in great need. I don't know if you know, but there are people in this church who are in great need, who are sick, who have cancer. They need somebody to hold their hand, to step through the doors of a hospital and to pray with them. There are people in need all around us. And I don't know if you're like me, but my temptation is so often when I see all these needs is to just cut the TV off. I just want to cut it off, stay in my house, focus on myself and my own needs. I don't want to deal with it all. Because it's messy. It's messy. There are a lot of needs out there, and to get involved with them, it's messy. But when I'm tempted to just shut it all off and to just ignore it and to tune it out, here's what I remember. I remember that many years ago, God looked upon this world, and he saw that it was very messy. But God didn't turn his back on this world He didn't just shut it down. Instead, he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this world to come into the mess and to become messy himself, to become bloody, to die on a cross for you and for me so that we could have our deepest needs met. God didn't turn away from the needs. He stepped into the messiness. And so we have to be willing to step into the messiness as well, to be willing to not only open our eyes, but to also open up our hearts and to make room for other people, to have compassion, to be willing to listen and to see and to empathize with people in need. But we can't stop there. God not only wants us to open up our eyes and to open up our hearts, but he also wants us to open up our hands and to help meet other people's needs. And this is going to look different in different situations. Sometimes it's going to look like tutoring a kid at a local elementary school. Sometimes it's going to look like calling up an old friend and saying, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. Are you okay? Sometimes this is going to look like being uncomfortable and walking through the doors of a hospital or a prison and praying with someone. Sometimes this is going to look like going to your neighbor's house, knocking on their door and saying, hey, I know I've lived next to you a long time, but we've never met. My name is Jonathan. I don't know if you have any needs, but if you ever do, Here's my number. I'm here for you. I'm available. It's going to look different in every single situation. But God is calling us to open our eyes, open our hearts, and to open our hands to people in need. And he doesn't promise us that it's going to be easy, that it's going to be fun all the time. He doesn't promise us that it's going to be quick, or simple, or cheap, but he does promise us that as we go out and meet other people's needs, God does promise us this, that when we're with them, we're with his son Jesus. When we're serving them, we're serving him. Some of you know the last few weeks, 
I've been doing these listening tours with different groups in the church, talking with y'all about your hopes and your dreams for the church. And there was one response to one of the questions that I wrote down in my journal and I've been thinking about ever since. And it was a response from Whitney Pash when I was asking about how we can reach new people for Jesus Christ in this community and how we can, we can grow as a church and, and what our dreams were. And she said this. She said, as a church, my dream to reach new people is that we go out because we can't wait for people to come to us. And I've been thinking about that ever since. This idea about us as a church being called to go out. And I've been thinking about what it would look like for us as a church. If we went out, and instead of running away from the needs and needy people in this world like so many people in society, what if we went out and we ran towards the needs? What if we ran out and we opened up our hands and we helped meet those needs. I've been dreaming about that and what God would do in us as a church and what God would do through us as a church. And I know that it would be great, amazing things that we would tell stories about for years to come. And I know that God would do great things through this because I've seen other churches do it. Some of you might have read the book Radical by David Platt. He's a pastor, or he was a pastor at the church of Brook Hills in Birmingham, Alabama. And this church, they did just this. They ran out towards the needs in their community. And one day, David Platt, the pastor there, he called the Department of Family Services in Shelby County, where the church was located in Alabama. And he said to the head of the department there, how many families would it take to meet the needs y'all have for foster care and for adoption here in this county. And you know what the woman on the other line did? She laughed. She laughed, right? She, she laughed at his question. And he said, no, 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 seriously. What if a miracle took place and those needs were able to be met? How many people would it take? How many families? And she said, it would take 150 families for that to happen. So he went back to his church. In the next few weeks, he talked to them about it. They began to pray about it, and he began to invite people to open up their hands, open up their homes, open up their lives to meet the needs. And during those next few weeks, over 160 families came forward and said, we want to be part of this solution. We want to be involved with foster care. We want to be involved with adoption. And they met that need. And David Platt, writing about it, he said this. He said that as we've done this, we are discovering the indescribable joy of sacrificial love for others. And along the way, we're learning more about the inexpressible wonder of God's sacrificial love for us. As they went out and met those needs, they transformed their community. And in the process, God transformed them as they met Jesus. And that's my dream for this church in the next number of years. That we will be a church who goes out, who opens our eyes, opens our hearts, opens our hands to people in need. 
Because I know that as we do, we will see amazing things. We will see God blessing this community, transforming this community. We will see God blessing us and transforming us. And I know that along the way that we'll be surprised. We'll be surprised at what happens. And we'll be surprised when we discover that Jesus, He doesn't look that much like the pale skin, blue eyed, flowy brown hair Jesus that we grew up seeing in portrait. I think we'll be surprised when we see that Jesus today in this world looks more like a little child who's in need. Jesus looks more like an elderly person. Jesus looks more like one of our needy family members. I think we'll be surprised when we discover that Jesus looks a lot like our neighbor. Let's pray that God would help us be a church like that. Let's pray. Almighty God, we come before you this morning as people in great need. God, we need you every hour, every moment we need you because, God, we have sinned. We have fallen short. God, in our own ways, big and small, we have contributed to the brokenness in this world and we ask that you would forgive us. We ask that you would open up our eyes to the ways that we have sinned against you and our neighbors and we ask that you would transform our hearts. You would transform our hearts through your forgiveness, through your mercy, through your grace, and that you would help us become people of love. God, pour out your love on us this morning. Pour out your love on us. And may that love not stay inside of us, but may that love pass through us as we serve as vessels for your love as it flows out of us and meets all of the different needs around us in our community, in our country, in our world. God, this morning we ask as a church that you would open up our eyes, that you would open up our hearts, and that you would open up our hands. And that as we do that, that we would meet your son, Jesus Christ, anew. And we ask these things in his name. Amen.